Welcome, everyone. It's great to see you guys. I know we're excited today. It was good to see everyone out getting ready for the Harvest Festival. And uh, we were talking about it. This is probably one of our most fun services of the year. So uh, welcome. Good to have you here. We see some people uh, visiting from out of town, too. So uh, we're happy to have you guys here also. And um, what I do with the clicker? Oh, here it is. No? That's a tragedy. When you lose the clicker in the couch, your husband might not get up to get you a drink, but if you tell him you lost the remote, he will get up immediately and start looking for it. I've done that with guys before, and like they all jump up. It's, that's like a real emergency, even more than this, uh, although we want to get out to the thing, so I need this to the festival. Um, it's amazing when you look through the Bible, the, the idea of a festivals are all throughout the Old Testament where they, they, they just had all kinds of reasons to have a party for God. Three times a year, they would come into Jerusalem and have like a week-long worship, party, food. They didn't just do a wedding for one day. They did wedding for a whole week, you know, to be able to enjoy life. I think they had a few things figured out that maybe we, didn't, we don't. Uh, so uh, if you, you can go tell your boss that the people in the Old Testament had three paid weeks off, so we need to have three weeks off at least uh, or more. But just being able to associate church with festival, right? That's what we're trying to do today. That was something that I had a really hard time doing growing up because church was more like a nap than a festival. Church was somewhere that I had to be, not that I wanted to be. And so it's amazing to try to bridge that. If you can see church is where I worship God and where I party, then hope, then you're kind of going in the right direction. Yesterday we had a bit of a party, or Friday, at Daisy Moya's baptism. Uh, uh, we're not, we didn't have a chili cook-off contest, but we did have a taco guy, so maybe that counts. Uh, it was great to see all the team ministry there, people driving in. A lot of our friends from Xavier High School were there. And it was really a community celebration as she's grown up in the church and gone through the kids' classes and the youth ministry and the, the camps with all people around L.A. and sleepovers, worship nights. And then now, uh, as she's going into college, she's going to be going to the campus retreat uh, next weekend with like people from multiple states. And so it's just like, wow, what an amazing uh, time to see everything kind of come together uh, as a community. And that, of course, as their uh, family, that's been so special to us and um, special to all of all of you guys. Uh, we're just finishing up a series where we kind of talked about the Bible as a story, as a play and these different acts from creation to the fall to the Israel uh, to Jesus, which is where we're going to be talking about today, and then the church, and then the new heavens and the new earth that we all get to go through someday. So it's, ama- it's cool when you read the Bible, wherever you're reading, you can kind of picture yourself in, on this timeline. You can picture yourself reading one of the acts that God has, because he didn't just write individual Stories. He wrote the whole thing all together. So even as you're reading a piece of it, you can think about the whole. And then next Sunday, we're starting a four-week series called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. 
by this amazing author named Peter Scazzaro. Uh, we're not going to be preaching the, the books, but we're going to kind of match them up with Bible stories that really help us to grow as people, to help us to be more uh, healthy in our relationships with, with God and with one another. You know, if we're not healthy with God, it's hard to be healthy with one another and vice versa. And so uh, we're excited to kick that off uh, next week for four weeks as we get into uh, the Christmas season, which is crazy even to say that uh, already. But today, uh, the title is Waiting to See Jesus. And we're going to look at a man named Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. And I don't know if you've ever been waiting for something with anticipation. You know, when you were pregnant and you're just waiting for that due date and hoping that the doctor was wrong in a good way so that you can have this baby sooner. You know, maybe you're waiting for birthday or waiting for the job to call you back after you had an interview and you're just, you know, anxiously waiting. Uh, Sometimes we're waiting for things and we know they're going to come. Like, our birthday is going to come. That's going to be cool. Our Christmas is going to come. Think, you know, the holidays are going to come. Sometimes we're waiting for things that you never thought would happen. Maybe you're waiting for that dream job to happen. It hasn't happened. Maybe you're waiting for true love. Maybe you're waiting to have a family. Maybe you're waiting to reconcile with someone. And you're not sure if it's ever going to happen, but you really want it to happen. And today we're going to look at this man, Zacchaeus, who was waiting to see Jesus. And it doesn't explain all the reasons why he was waiting, why he was doing the things he was doing, but he was waiting because he saw something in Jesus. Maybe he knew this was his opportunity to get his life figured out. Maybe he just wanted to get his relationships back together. Maybe he wanted to start over. And so we're going to start reading in Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. That's kind of a funny visual. You picture this guy just like, trying to look over and see Jesus. He figured out he couldn't, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him because Jesus was coming that way. And Nick uh, Zacchaeus here, we only know four things about Zacchaeus. He was Jewish. He was rich. He was the chief tax collector. And he was short. Right? Those are some of the things... Not all of them are things you want to be. But that's all we know about him. And after the story is over today, he was probably only two of the four things. I doubt after we're done today that he's going to still be a tax collector and that he's still going to be rich. And we're going to see where that comes because he found Jesus. Um, We actually have been in this area of the world a couple years ago we went to Jordan and we stood on the mountain you could see Jericho in the in the foreground and you could see uh, where Jerusalem was and off to the left was the Dead Sea and you could just picture all of this Bible history that happened in this one place Jesus wandering in the desert the few times when the Jordan River uh, uh, crossed over 
Jericho was the place where the first miracle happened as they were going into the promised land and the walls fell down just by them blowing the trumpets and screaming, which is one of the first miracles there. And so it's amazing to think about what was going on and why, even as I'm talking today, just think about why would this man do what he did? Why would he run ahead, figure out where Jesus was going, and that, I think, is an example for all of us in, in the, answering the same question. How can I get to see Jesus? How can I get closer? And he said that he could get to know who Jesus was. He just wanted to know who he was. He didn't understand him, but he wanted to. And my first point is Jesus initiates with Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus, as we mentioned, he did a few things also to get to Jesus. But Jesus was the one who initiated with him. Sometimes we can think about what do I need to do to find out who Jesus is. But in the same way, he's making himself known to you. He probably already has. No, none of us really seek him first. He's the one that seeks us first. I have this whole theory about how when God blesses us, God blesses us to help us to come to faith. When we decide that we're looking for him, then he, he, he begins with the blessing. And he wants to initiate with all of us. Uh, if you're visiting today, you might not know this, but I like trees. <laughs> right? So the sycamore fig tree, uh, this is an actual sycamore tree in Jericho. Right? You could see a little street, a little walkway going by. You could picture Zacchaeus sitting up in the tree when Jesus walks by. And these trees, were they, they grow figs, so they're a food source. There was actually a blessing in the Old Testament that you would be sitting under your own fig tree. That was like a form of a blessing that you would have food, that you would be in the shade, that you would be protected, that God would be with you, and life would be good. And so this is a cool image. These trees live for five to six hundred years. So literally, the tree that he was sitting in could have been there when Jerusalem fell to the point where Jesus was there. So that tree had seen it all happen, if trees could see. They grow to over 100 feet tall. 100 to 150 feet tall. And the, the one thing that I connected with was they have these helicopter seeds a seed with two little wings, and when they come down, they, they, they spin. You ever seen those? So you can imagine Jesus walking through. Maybe one of those helicopter seeds hit him on the head or something, and he looked up and he saw Nicodemus there. I'm sorry, I keep saying Nicodemus. Zacchaeus. I've been watching the Chosen series with Nicodemus too much. And also, this sycamore tree was a symbol of regeneration. Because how they would be resilient and they would fall over and start growing. And, and that was maybe a, 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 a picture of what was happening uh, to Zacchaeus here. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. 
This is Jesus that he saw Zacchaeus. I don't know if Zacchaeus just thought, hey, he's just going to walk by and I'm going to, maybe he'll say something, maybe he'll heal someone, maybe something's going to happen. But I don't think that he expected Jesus to stop and notice him. No one else did. And when they did, it probably wasn't in a good way, but Jesus saw him. Now, there's a story in the Old Testament where the point of it is where Hagar names God. He said, the God who sees me, the God who knows me, he knows what you're going through. He knows everything in your life. He knows what you want. He knows what you desire. He knows why you're here. He knows when you're going towards him. He knows when you're going away from him. He knows when you pray to him. He knows things about us that we don't even know about ourselves. And I'm sure when he looked up at Zacchaeus, he realized, wow, he knows why I'm here. He sees me for who I really am. Maybe he sees me for who I used to be. Maybe he saw Zacchaeus as a little kid running around Jerusalem, playing with other kids when he was still accepted, when he was just pure hearted before he had gotten hardened and greedy and betrayed his people and Jesus saw the good that no one else saw and he wanted to stay at his house it seems when I first read this it seemed a little bossy right Zacchaeus I'm staying at your house today you're like really should I check with my wife for I mean should I check with people like is that okay that was not it wasn't like that in the old days that was, a, that was a compliment. Basically, what that meant to Zacchaeus is, of all the people following me and walking with me today, I want to be with you. I choose you over everyone else. That's, how, that's why Zacchaeus was so excited. He said, man, Jesus wants to come to my house. He wants to sit at my table. And immediately... It says, all the people started to mutter. He's going to be the guest of a sinner. Who do you think those people were? Yeah, maybe they were the the religious teachers of the day. They were probably all the good people. It doesn't just say the Pharisees were that. It says that all the people were saying that. All the people that went to church or temple... All the people that knew their Bibles, all their people that loved Israel. It was us. We were the ones. Jesus, you're going to his house? Why don't you go to my house? I'm the minister here. You should be with me. No, he's going to be with the person that that people least expected. You know, I heard... My sister-in-law sent me this ad that's coming out in the Super Bowl. And it's called, Jesus Went All In Too. And the premise of it, somebody's spending $100 million because they want to, for a campaign to fix the Jesus brand from followers' damage. Basically, when he looked out in the world, he says, you know what's wrong with Christianity today? Christians. When people think of Christians, they don't think of Jesus. 
They think of whatever they see. I won't even say what they see. You know what they see. But they don't see Jesus. They don't see the person that would stop for the least of these. They don't see the person who is all in living their lives. And that's not maybe not all of you guys. But it's been me at times. Driving down the road or having a bad day or in the gym or, you know, whatever. People like, oh, I don't know about that guy. To fix the damage that we have done, Jesus came. Was this like a coincidence? Was this like a one-off where Jesus picks Zacchaeus? Was this like a, a fluke? This was his life. Who did he choose? Did he go to the synagogue and did he pick? Yeah, he did. But did he pick all the people that you would expect him to pick? Nope. He picked those that were broken down. He picked the unloved. He picked the unwanted. He picked the fishermen that were uneducated. He picked the revolutionaries that wanted to kill the government. He picked the prostitutes, the questioners, the skeptical, and the doubters, the unreliable, and the demon-possessed. He looked at people that you and I would look at and go, there is no way Jesus is ever going to pick you, and he picked them anyway. That was the Jesus way. Not just the way he ran his ministry, that's the way he lived. He was humble. He was poor. He was born in a cave. He died on a tree and was cursed, shamed, and humiliated. His death was to send this message. You Jews are nothing. And so is your king. There is no king but Caesar. That was Jesus' life. He hung out with the people that got him criticized. Didn't slow him down, though. Because he saw what was inside. And so did Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus saw Jesus and he saw freedom. He saw hope. He saw a new life. Even what Jesus said in one of his parables that when you give up anything for me, you'll have a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times. But only when we live like Christ, only when we see people like Christ, only when we know that he sees us that way. You know, there's a famous uh, painting It's called the Trinity Table. And so for Jesus to tell Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house for dinner and to stay at your house, meant that he wanted to be at Zacchaeus' table. And the table wasn't like just we think about it. It's just like, hey, a place we eat, no big deal. A table was a place where everyone was accepted at the table. If you ate with someone... That means you loved them, you respected them, you wanted to be with them. And so that's what Jesus was saying. And the, 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 
the story about this picture is that the, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are sitting there at the table with one spot open for you. That we get to sit at the table with Jesus. It's also called the hospitality of Abraham table. When he had three visitors and he went real quick and made them a meal and sat down and they had a dinner. That's where the hospitality came from in their culture from Abraham. And that'll play a, that'll come to play later in the story when he calls him a son of Abraham. But that's where God wants us to be, that we're all at the same table. There's no head of the table. There's no foot at the table. We're all there with Jesus. Place of fellowship, equality, love, and acceptance. That's the table that he's inviting you to today, that he's initiating with all of us and inviting us to be at. My second point, Zacchaeus freely follows Let's keep reading here in in Luke chapter 19. He says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's where I said he probably wasn't rich after this day, paying everybody back. But he changed his life. He decided, I'm going in a new direction. I am now wanting, I'm going to follow Jesus now. I want to bring this love to the world. I want to get reconciled with people. I want to do whatever it takes to make my relationships right. I have a new passion that God wants all of us To have that same passion that he had. Not because we're forced to, but because we choose to. Jesus didn't tell him anything. He didn't give him like the formula that you need to follow. He just was moved and decided, hey, I'm doing it. I'm all in now. You're all in, Jesus, and I'm all in too. And he changed his life that very day. He decided, I want to join with Jesus in his mission on earth to destroy evil, to destroy hatred, to destroy racism, to destroy bigotry, to destroy selfishness, to destroy greed, to destroy sex trafficking, to destroy pornography, and whatever else is against the love of Christ. Jesus wants us to bring people together. He wants us to join with him to reconcile one another. Zacchaeus put his life on the line. I'm I'm sure that wasn't a real safe thing to do. The chief tax collector just resigned. That could have cost him his life possibly. But he decided, hey, I'm going all in. And that's what Jesus calls from all of us. Not because we have to. Not because our parents are making us to. Because we choose to. Because we understand that we get to. That we get to make a difference. That we get to join with God in his purpose in the world. You know, a a familiar parable came to mind here. 
of Jesus leaving the 99 for that one sheep. I don't know a better story to make that more applicable, that he left all the people to find the one that was lost, to bring them together, and to say that today's salvation has come to this house, that this man is a son of Abraham. He was bringing him back into the community that he had left. As we take our communion, let's think about Jesus initiating with each of us and waiting for us to freely follow, to freely respond, to go not halfway in, not a quarter of the way in, not just when it's convenient, but to go all in in the same way. It says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined, there it is again, at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This was less than a week later. And now he is opening up this table to all of us, sacrificing himself so that we know what love is. And we know that he's coming for inviting us. He's initiating with us. Let's pray as we take our communion together. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you love us when we're not lovable. We thank you that you see what no one else sees. God, I pray that as we remember your body and your blood shed for us, that we can freely give to you, that we can freely give ourselves, give our love, give our hearts. God, thank you for your forgiveness and thank you for the way that you showed us how to live through your death. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.